Blog Talk Radio. Learn how to take your caring and giving farther with the Caring and Funding Podcast powered by Cap America. Cap America, America's leader in cross-border philanthropy, helps corporations, foundations, wealth advisors, and individuals who wish to give internationally and with enhanced due diligence in the United States. Through its industry-leading grants management program and philanthropic advisory services, Cap America helps donors amplify their impact and ensure their gifts are made in a safe and effective manner. This caring and funding podcast is dedicated to these donors and the charities they support. Our guests are leaders in their field who join us to share tips for success and stories that inspire. Our host is Ted Hart, the CEO of Cap America. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at capamerica.org, on iTunes, and now just say, Alexa, play CAF America on TuneIn. Now, welcome the host of Cap America's Caring and Funding Podcast, Ted Hart. And welcome to this latest edition of the Caring and Funding Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us as we celebrate International Women's Day. Uh, and in uh, keeping with International Women's Day, I will not be hosting today's podcast, but instead it's my pleasure to welcome Jesse Kraft, our Senior Vice President of External Affairs at CAF America, who will do the duties of being the host for today's podcast. Jesse, welcome. Hi, good afternoon, everyone, and happy belated International Women's Day and happy Women's History Month. Um, CAF America's Caring and Funding Podcast and CAF America's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Team both bring us together today to celebrate the United Nations theme, Gender Equality Today for a Sustainable Tomorrow. Um, thank you for the introduction, Ted. I am Jesse Kraft. I'm CAF America's Senior Vice President of External Affairs, and I will be your host this afternoon. I'm really thrilled to be joined by all of our listeners, as well as joined by two of CAF America's trailblazing women, uh, Anna Hoffmeister and Janet Boyd, for what is sure to be an enriching discussion. This is a very important topic for CAF America and for our diversity, equity, and inclusion team. This team, which is, which is unique to CAF America, was founded in November 2018, and they work to engage and educate our staff in diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, both internally and externally, through various initiatives. Some of these initiatives include celebrations of Black History Month and Pride Month. Uh, they, do, they host language clubs, and they have developed a guide on diversity and, ex- and inclusion educational materials for, the, for our team. Two of the greatest successes from this team were the creation of a cultural sensitivity guide for our global site visit program. And we also have cohorts of our staff members that are becoming certified diversity executives through the Institute for Diversity Certification, which is just an amazing achievement for our team. Three of CAF America's staff members, including Ted Hart, the host of this podcast, have already received their CDE certifications, and nine more are currently taking the course to earn those certifications. We're just so proud of the CAF America team for the really important work they're doing in DEI to support and and enhance our global philanthropy initiatives. This year, the United Nations selected the International Women's Day theme to recognize the contributions of women and girls across the world who are at the forefront of climate change adaptation mitigation, and response initiatives. These women are really paving the way to a sustainable future for everyone. 
Wouldn't you agree that it's high time we recognize the contributions of these women and, and afforded them the rights and opportunities equal to those of their male counterparts? The conversation today will be focused on, uh, focused on that theme of the United Nations International Women's Day. And it will focus on the individual experiences of the women here today and the highs and lows they face in their respective fields of work and the ways in which they are breaking biases. Now, to kick things off, I would like to introduce our panelists for this afternoon. We are joined first by Janet Boyd, who has provided legal counsel to a number of tax-exempt organizations for over 25 years. She has served as a CAP America board member since 1999 and as president of CAP America's board from 2002 to 2014. Janet currently serves as the board treasurer at CAF Canada. So we've, we've brought her across the border to, to CAF Canada. She has retired from her career role of providing legal and policy advice on tax, corporate governance, and employee benefits issues in Washington, DC. But she remains very active in the community on various board roles. In addition to being on the board of CAF Canada, she's also a valued member at the League of Women Voters of Virginia. Also on this call, we have Anna Hoffmeister. Um, Anna is a CPA and is, and is partner in charge of finance and accounting outsourced services for the Southeast region at RSM, which has, and she has more than 30 years experience servicing the accounting, consulting, audit, and tax needs of the nonprofit industry. Through her devotion to the advancement of this nonprofit community, she has spent the last 20 years advising CEOs and boards of directors on a wide spectrum of nonprofit and, uh, and financial and oper uh, operational matters. So thank you to both Janet and Anna for being on this call today. To start things off, I would like to pose a question for you. Um, uh, Anna, I would like to start with you. Um, thanks so much for joining today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Excellent. Um, so just to start, uh, Anna, I'd love to hear a little bit from you on this topic of diversity, equity, inclusion, um, all three of these words are very different principles. How, how do you differentiate between each of them and which, what, how, what do they mean to you and how do they think they, how do you think they apply to you in the workplace? Well, I appreciate you asking. Obviously, it's an important topic this day and age. And, and you're right. They all have, you know, different, different meetings. Um, but frankly, I, I kind of like to look at things in a holistic manner. So frankly, I look at them all as pretty much one one combined message. And really that message is that, you know, there should be equal opportunity for everyone, no matter what their background, you know, their race, their gender, their viewpoints, um, et cetera, a lot of different things like that. Um, it really should be solely based on people's skill sets, their results that they, that they achieve in what they do and uh, you know, who's the best fit for the position without bias. And that's really the way I've built my practice uh, within within RSM and in the firm that I was in before that as well. You know, did that, kept that in mind. Um, so really, if you look at my team, you'll notice there's a very diverse group of professionals in, in all different realms and vantage points that you could take a look at it. Um, it makes for a stronger team um, because it brings more diverse perspectives on everything. Sometimes, to be honest with you, it's made it a little tougher because we all have different viewpoints and somehow we got to come up with a good compromise. Um, but, you know, it does lead to a better uh, result at the end of the day. Um, and it makes us for a stronger team. 
Um, for the individual professionals, I've also found that that makes them more vested in the, in the practice or in the work that they do because they feel that their perspectives are valued. And as a result, you know, they're more open to sharing their opinions and they end up becoming more effective. Yeah, I love that. I think, I think you're right. You know, it, it can create challenges, but overall the, the end, um, having, having a diverse work, workforce is really important. Uh, to, to make a better uh, make better opportunities for everyone, um, Anna, I will pose or sorry, Janet, I will pose the same question to you. Um, so di- the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion are are all really different principles. How do you differentiate between them, and how do you apply them in the workplace? Thank you so much, Jesse, for inviting me to this podcast to celebrate International Women's Day. And just as a way of introduction, I think we forget how much we learn from women living in other countries, and this day gives us an excuse to refocus on that fact. Your question is particularly appropriate for International Women's Day. One of the first things I learned in my career, and this isn't altogether different than what Anna just said, is that you need a wide range of ideas for any project to succeed. Global companies succeed with that fact in mind, as the only way to acquire that range of ideas is by working with coworkers who have a wide range of experiences. If we all think alike and look alike, we make no progress. While I might quibble with the way that DEI or diversity, equity, and inclusion programs have been conceived and implemented in the workplace, the fundamental concept is critical. We need diverse experiences. We need to treat those who are diverse equally and we must sincerely welcome, by inclusion, those with diversity. Programs that seem to work well recognize that diversity has many aspects, including recognition of the role of disabilities, racial and cultural differences, and individuals who identify as LGBTQ. This short list only just touches the surface of this important issue. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Janet. Um, now, Janet, for you, you know, you're you're a vocal advocate in this field of work, and I'm certain that our listeners today will benefit from your insight into these topics. Can you start by talking a little bit more about your role on the board of the League of Women Voters, and is there anything especially fulfilling or challenging about the work you do with, with the League of Women Voters? Thank you. This is a very good question. Um, I do work with both the U.S. League of Women Voters on lobbying activities, and I also serve on the board of the League of Women Voters of Virginia. And my role on the Virginia board is to manage the League's voter education projects. This role has been perfect for me, as I have served as my local government's precinct chief for over 20 years, and my legal background is a plus for understanding election rules. Recently, I've even had the opportunity to testify on bills impacting such rules on behalf of the Virginia League before the General Assembly. But my biggest challenge to date is making the transition, particularly relating to expectations in approach when managing workers in a paying job to managing volunteers. While in both cases, I want to understand and appeal to an individual's strength I've had to measure my expectations based on the exigencies of my volunteers' schedules and needs. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Janet. Um, And 
so what do you think right now is, is one of the most challenging issues that the women, the League of Women Voters is facing in protecting rights of women in the United States? And, and what, have, what are these issues that, are you, that you are most passionate about? Well, I'm passionate about a lot of things. Uh, and when I retired a few years ago, I had this vague vision of contributing to the health of our country's democratic form of government, and I recognize that's a, that's a big wish. But I thought that this would be the opportunity to be able to do that through fair and well-understood elections. And I didn't actually seek the league as the best way to scratch that itch. But when my first league meeting was to attend the Virginia General Assembly's uh, vote to approve the Equal Rights Amendment in the House Gallery in 2020, I was sold. With me were women who had worked the ERA issue for decades. And at least in Virginia, it was that power that succeeded finally. Getting the constitutional amendment approved is the most challenging work we have at this time. Additionally, both at the state and federal levels, we are currently fighting hard to counter false narratives about the election process without falling into partisan traps. We've had to take baby steps as we learn more about the legitimate concerns and develop strong solutions. Thank you. Yeah, that's so wonderful to hear about how, how you participated in the Equal Rights Amendment and just the role you've had. Um, it's just amazing that, that we work with, with you and, and that you've had such an impact in that area. It's just so, so important for our country. Um, we are going to take just a quick break, and when we come back, we will continue by uh, speaking to Anna about her work in the field of finance. Um, so we'll just take a quick break, and we'll be back. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at capamerica.org, on iTunes, or just say, Alexa, play CAF America on TuneIn. Now, back to the Caring and Funding Podcast and our host, Ted Hart. And your host for today, Jesse Kraft, the Senior Vice President of CAF America, is back. Um, speaking of impactful work, Anna, um, through your various leadership roles on the American Society, Society of Association Executives Finance and Business Operations Council, uh, and in the support that you've provided to other boards and CEOs throughout your career, have you seen women increasingly involved in this field in leadership roles? Uh, thank you for asking. And first and foremost, it, it was it was great to hear about the impact Janet has has made for for all of us women out there. So thank you, Janet. Um, so in in terms of women's roles um, in these these different volunteer committees, advisory councils, et cetera, that I've been involved with. Uh, yeah, I, I have seen more women get involved, I'd say, in the last 10, 15 years. Um, but frankly, you know, as I kind of think about it, it's it's primarily the older women um, that, that I see getting more involved in these. And I think that's primarily because they've gotten past that stage of, of uh, you know, child rearing, raising a family, et cetera, that they actually have more time. Uh, to get involved in those kind of um, in those kind of roles, um, but also I think one of the other reasons I see more of them in there is, in my opinion, it's you know the nonprofit organizations that they're that they're volunteering for, obviously, but they also many of them work for nonprofit organizations, and that has a little bit of a different of a culture 
and different, you know, work-life balance kind of situations with the organizations. And then on top of that, they have a tendency to be more women-friendly. So, yes, all in all, I, I, it's it's they've been involved, but I'm seeing more and more women getting involved, and it's and it's and it's nice to see. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so, what are some of the things that you think need to happen to involve more women in the finance field and to better enable them to enter leadership roles in the field? Um, you know, frankly, I think it depends on the field within finance. It's it's a very broad um, field. It also depends on the position. But if I was to sum it up and based on you know kind of what I've what I've seen, um, a big part of the issue I see, and and uh, frankly, I experienced going going through through my career path is you know finding ways to balance your family needs and your desires you know, and to spend time with your children, your husband, et cetera, um, while also balancing with the work. Um, because frankly, most C-suite positions, they require more than full-time, not just full-time, but more than full-time. You know, you do your, the work itself that requires more than that. But then on top of that, in order to, you know, go along in your career path, you need to do networking, building relationships. Because at the end of the day, a lot of times that's how you grow as a professional is it's who you know and the relationships you have within the CPA firms in general, um, it can be tough. Um, they have very high expectations, but more and more CPA firms are changing. Um, firms such as RSM, you know, we we do find ways to make it possible. Uh, you know, within our firm, we have a very we have our five C's that we call them. Um, we we challenge and, and encourage everyone to be you know caring about each other courageous about, you know, um, opportunities you take on, be a critical thinker, be collaborative, and just be curious in general about people um, and their business. And the people, I think, more so come, again, comes back in, into the diversity, equity, and inclusion is understanding and learning more about other people. Um, firms, they have to be people-focused. It's not just about the job, but it's about people and find, because that's how you're going to find the best professionals in the industry, people who truly um, care about who they work for, who they work with. So the more you focus on the people you have in your organization or your corporation, the more they're going to be wanting to to be there for you and um, and grow and uh, succeed within the organization while still meeting metrics. But I think the biggest thing that many of them need to do is flexible schedules. And again, it's hard to do that in C-suite position. But when you have, um, you know, people doing similar type work, you can create more flexible schedules, um, i.e. people don't necessarily have to work full time. They can still work part time, have time to meet the balance and the needs of their families while also building those relationships and networking. Um, So because of that, you can, you know, alter the workloads. People can have more job sharing. So it's not just one, one position that has to handle all the work. And last but not least, teamwork. Teamwork, you know, everybody works together as a group. You know, somebody has too much on their plate one day, somebody else might have free time. You know, find ways to um, to work things like that together. So, you know, companies finding, you know, ways to provide more flexible work schedules and job sharing. Um, measure the impact that people have as opposed to the hours they devoted I, you know, part of my field, at least initially, it's not so much that way anymore, but it still needs to go more in that direction where people would just look to see how much time are you putting in as opposed to what's your impact? 
many times women have a tendency, because we have so much on our plates and so limited time, we're able to get a lot more done in a shorter period of time um, because we're just basically forced to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and I think it's it's important to think about different ways to structure the work environment and structure um, structure some of the benefits and how how they're how they're managed across the organization in order to ensure more people are included and that there's um, you know space for a diverse workforce within that. So that's that's really important. Um, so I know that you know. As being in a, a woman in a male-dominated industry, I'm sure you've you've had a lot of challenges along the way. Can you share some of those challenges with us, and and perhaps how you've managed to surpass those obstacles, and provide some advice to our listeners that they could take into their own professional lives based on your experience? Certainly, yes. It's uh, it's it's uh, yeah, it's been I say it's been an interesting journey, um, but you know, at the end of the day, you kind of kind of you know you gotta. Do, you know, do do what you need to do. Um, but I mean, I'd say basically, um, you know, what were some of the challenges? I'd say the biggest one, um, you know, I I was in the CPA world pretty much all my life. I have four children, uh, was able to successfully, you know, raise them. Um, but as as a result of that, obviously, there was a time that that was that time available um, availability challenge that I had to deal with. That was the primary piece. And as a result of that, um, you know, I really didn't have a lot of time to build relationships. So as a result, a lot of my work really came down to an advancement, really came down to just just merit alone, not necessarily relationships. And I, I don't want to obviously discount that and say people just, you know, get promoted because of relationships. That, that's, not that's not really what I'm saying is oftentimes it's a combination of both. You need to have do good work, um, you know, have, have results in what you're doing, be effective. But oftentimes, you know, you know, if everything else being equal, you know, then what really is, what is it throws somebody up into that advancement is those relationships, who they know um, that they've built. Because as a tendency, we have a tendency to promote those people we like and know the best. Um, so those really the primary challenges, um, especially when you're a woman and you have those responsibilities and your male peers oftentimes don't. Although I will say this, and I think it's something we all need to pay attention to is I've seen over the last, I'd say five, 10 years, that's changing. It's not just the women anymore. There's often the many men as well who take that responsibility and frankly want to be there with their families and, and involved in their children's activities and, etc. Et so, you know, they're starting to run into those same challenges. So um, it's something we need to be watchful for anyone. Coming back again to diversity, equity, inclusion, it's not just about the women, it's about everyone and everybody's situation and, and really taking a hard look and recognizing that people need to find that balance and provide everybody with equal opportunity based upon, you know, their, their skill sets and, um, and uh, yeah, skill sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great advice. Thank you, Anna. Um, I'm going to ask Janet one more question before I end with a question that I will ask to both of you. Um, Janet, so based on our conversation thus far, why do you think it is so challenging for women to, quote unquote, break the glass ceiling and enter the C-suite of corporate America? And do you have any ideas on what can be done to address this? Well, I think Anna's 
answer to this similar question is apropos. Um, but at first I want to sort of point out, and, and Anna was sort of saying this as well, is that I have been observing more and more women are finding ways to enter the C-suite of corporate America. And I would give one exciting example is Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors, who now serves as the chair of the board of directors of the Business Roundtable, probably one of the most blue blood of trade associations in Washington, D.C. And I believe that most women who succeed in this climb do have to make sacrifices with their families, as Anna was mentioning. However, as she also mentioned, I do think things are changing with regard to what men want to get out of their careers as well as from their families. And they are wanting to be more involved in their family activities, whether it's sports or otherwise. So that the responsibilities of both the family and the workplace are shared. And I do believe that this dynamic is positive. It's positive, as Anna has mentioned, for even DEI purposes. It's good for men to understand what women are doing and it's good for women to understand what men are doing. But I also recognize and did see that this is an ongoing experiment for many families, and it does require a lot of cooperation and coordination, which oftentimes isn't easy. So this is an experiment that is still ongoing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It has been great to see the, the rise in paternity leave that's, that's offered as a benefit uh, across companies as well. Um, so, so I, yeah, I, I agree. It's an interesting time to see that type of shift. Um, so, you know, to both of you, thank you so much um, for sharing your words of advice. And, um, you know, I think at the end of this, what I'd like to ask both of you is, do you have um, can you, or can you share a story of a woman who has personally influ influenced your life and shaped the path you have taken in your career? Um, Janet, we'll start with you. Uh, quite frankly, Jesse, there are so many women and, quite, and many men that have been critical to my life and career. And I'm going to be a bit quaint on this, and I apologize for that in advance. But I really do think it was my mother that really set the stage as she never doubted that I could do whatever I wanted to do. And we did have a large family, and we were not particularly rich. But she always supported my visions, whether it was taking flute lessons from the best flute player in the Houston Symphony or visiting whatever college I wanted. These are the type of things that can be very important, maybe don't recognize it so much at the time. But I think that that set the stage for me knowing that you know, quite frankly, I could do what I could need to do, and I could also recognize mentors that would be beneficial to me. Thank you. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think it, it's important that, that she opened up so many opportunities for you and was supportive in so many ways. I love that. Um, Anna, the same question to you. Do you have a, a story about a woman who personally influenced your life and shaped the path you've taken in your career? You know, I must say, I, I smiled from ear to ear when, when Janet talked, because I'm, I'm pretty much in the similar situation. It's it's not any one woman. It's a lot of different people um, in my life. But I, I, I'm the same way. It was my mother that really started it. And it wasn't necessarily saying any, you know, any actions or things that she did. But, you know, her, her, her motto was something that I've used to guide me through pretty much all of my life. And that was, you know, she always said, 
You know, if you want to do something bad enough, you'll find the time, you'll find a way to get it done. Um, so that's what I've used, really used to to guide and direct me. Um, you know, beyond her, yes, there's been lots of different women's I've been watching over the years, but I never really had a woman mentor. I uh, wish I'd, you know, come, come across one, but never really, never found one. So I kind of just, you know, got through it with my mother's motto. Um, I did watch, you know, a lot of other women partners in large CPA firms. Um, a famous woman I, I, I'd like to study and, and watch and read about was Margaret Thatcher. Um, she was a good um, model, role model for me because she really slugged through it. And she was one of the first leaders when it comes to in, in the politics. Um, you know, besides that, um, I'm a woman of faith. Um, so I study. I study my Bible. I, I have devotions on a regular basis. And I will tell you, um, I, you know, I, I use God to help guide me through um, everything I go through. I mean, all of us, I think, can can say not every day is easy. You're going to run into a lot of challenges. Some days are frankly just just ugly. And just having that faith and knowing that he's there for me, guiding me through that has been a huge, tremendous help through all of that. And, you know, last but definitely not least, uh, you know, hats off to my husband as well. I mean, there's no way I could have done all this, gone through this without him. He's been one of my biggest cheerleaders and supporters and encouraged and advised me and he maybe chastised me from time to time. But, you know, that's, that's what you need. You need people. Uh, to support you um, in in every possible way of your life. So thank you. That's so wonderful. Thank you, Anna. And thank you, Janet. Um, Personally, to me, it is really so inspiring to have such strong and accomplished women on our board of directors. Uh, We we really just appreciate so much what you both do for CAF America and CAF Canada every day. So thank you. Um, As we conclude today's podcast, I would like to thank our listeners for tuning in for this important discussion. And I'm especially thankful for our guests, Anna and Janet for taking the time uh, to provide us with such valuable insight and advice. And to those of you listening, we hope that you'll be able to take something away from today's discussion and integrate it into your day-to-day life as a working professional. All in all, we hope you understand the importance of recognizing the contributions of women and the far-reaching impact that women and girls can make around the world when given equal rights and opportunities. Take some time today to thank the women in your lives, ask how you can support them as there's just so much to be done and more change to be made than wishing everyone a a happy International Women's Day. (laughs) And with that, I wish you all a meaningful Women's History Month and a belated International Women's Day. On behalf of CAF America, stay safe and thank you again for joining us. You've been listening to the Caring and Funding Podcast powered by CAF America. Tell all your friends and colleagues to check out our archives, sign up for our free newsletter, and download our iPad and iPod-friendly podcasts at capamerica.org. Thanks for listening to the Caring and Funding Podcast.